welcome back to yet another episode of saft podcast and uh, last week i mean the last episode we left you at uh, showing christianity to be true we just started off with that and today we'll be talking about arguments how arguments are useful and how they come in handy when we try and show christianity to be true so stay tuned as we get back yeah so hey jacob welcome back to another episode and uh, it's so glad i'm so glad to see you once again and uh, as i just mentioned to the audience that uh, today we'll be talking about uh, how arguments are useful in showing christianity to be true how we use them so uh, without any further delay i think it's time we just straight away dive in so as you like most of you must be remembering yeah. that in the previous episode we talked about two types of arguments right so one is deductive and the other one is inductive so what are both of them we'll be talking about that and uh, first up we have the deductive arguments so jacob will be helping us to learn together what is it yeah ankit so um, like i said let's get right into it so deductive arguments and now out of these two deductive arguments are pretty straightforward they are easy to work with and i would like to say they are also uh, airtight in the way we formulate them so then we look at inductive arguments you'll you'll get that you'll get that idea as to why i said um, they are airtight so in deductive arguments the normal the normal style is you would have um so i'm just going to give you a normal style okay and this is a premise premise and a conclusion so now this is not always how all deductive arguments are like there are very complex you know premise 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 a conclusion and then out of that conclusion you derive another sub premise and then you go on in all and so forth so basically what the words mean is that the word premise um, means a statement that's it it's a statement and mm. you the most common form that we would see in apologetics arguments so if you look at the kalam cosmological argument or the moral argument or the fine tuning argument you would predominantly see this uh, premise premise conclusion formulation and uh, when you go on to something like um anselm's ontological argument or the variations thereof there would be much more premises and then a final conclusion so that's how that's how it would be yeah. so like i said premises are basically statements and let's look at an example to try and work out and understand what we are doing dealing with here so let's look at this example if caesar eats cyanide caesar will die that is premise 1 premise 2 okay. is caesar eats cyanide and the conclusion is therefore caesar dies so immediately you see the pattern that it says if then and then it says you know this has happened or this is the case and the conclusion is therefore so it is it is that mm-hmm. format is also something that we you know predominantly see in uh, deductive arguments again not all deductive arguments need to have this but we predominantly see this if then um uh, format in it i don't know about you but i'm using my hands too much so i'm going to put down my hands for a while yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i'm moving around my arms too much yeah. okay okay so, so one of the premise leads to the other one right so it's like a step by step and uh, yeah, like exactly. if you talk so, about if you talk about probability then basically it's like the probability of the next step happening is like it's 100% probable that uh since premise 1 is there the premise 2 will happen right um no no we 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 don't look we don't look at probability when it comes to deductive arguments 
now we will look at the word okay. probability when we look at inductive arguments so with mm-hmm. deductive arguments both these statements you could say are, they are independent right so i mean and, the, and see the whole point is that these deductive arguments are formulated by us like we make we like we for, format these deductive arguments so when i said okay. if caesar eats cyanide caesar will die the second premise caesar eats cyanide and the conclusion therefore caesar uh-huh. dies so this right. may have happened in real life okay i mean obviously caesar didn't die none of the caesars died by cyanide but even if this has happened in real life this argument is not found in nature like you don't look at the sky and you see this written out there in nature no i am formulating the argument let's say based out of something that has something that may have even happened in real life or maybe i'm trying to predict something um that happened in the real life and i'm saying you know okay if caesar is cyanide he will die so therefore don't eat cyanide let maybe i'm trying to do that i'm trying to predict and you know prevent caesar from yeah. eating cyanide in the future even if that is the case whether it's something that's happened and i'm deriving and form- formulating an argument out of something that has already happened or even if i'm trying to predict you know something that is going to happen even in that scenario as well at the end of the day these arguments are something that i am formulating so um, so that is integral to the question when we ask how independent they are um i can make them truly dependent on each other and make them more complex and say you know like you said um keeping this simple argument i can add conditional probability and say if premise one is true then the probability premise and i can make that complicated or i can keep them simply independent as with this argument mm-hmm. is so i formulate the first but premise but then the final premise which is there that is dependent on the previous ones right like the first even premise the, second the premise and then the third one yeah the conclusion that is not independent yeah. yeah obviously no 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 that definitely not so like you said it's a step by step so i uh, yeah i'm tempted to go into a step by step analogy i'm stepped to i'm i'm having the staff podcast temptation to make an analogy out of this but anyway it's like you know both the you know it's one after the other and eventually it's those steps that lead you to the top or you know lead you to the bottom mm. so you get the conclusion through the premises and that's the key thing you want to get at the conclusion so that's what we are trying to do with an argument so uh, if you look at the kalam cosmological argument which says that the, the universe has a cause okay the arguments formulation is meant to bring us towards that conclusion that's that's the whole direction which we are moving towards okay okay so um, yeah coming back to it so you have these two premises and then the conclusion and so the soundness of that that formulation of the argument is dependent upon two aspects and one is are those premises true all right mm-hmm. or are they more plausibly true than the denial we look at that possibly maybe within this episode as well so are those statements true and the other thing is like you asked about the, the fact that is connecting them is there a sort of logical connection between these two so let me try and break down i mean the first part is very clear are those premises true is it true that yeah. if caesar eats cyanide that caesar will die um and we could say yes you know we have the scientific data on this we have these studies that show that cyanide is poisonous and so on and so forth and someone could come and contest that by saying hey we found another scientific data showing that if people eat eat cyanide people won't die so you can't say that therefore if caesar eats cyanide he will die so that will be the contention there is that statement true or not and then when you come to premise 2 again you will still ask is that statement true did caesar mm. eat cyanide and there again you know people can contest and say no caesar did not actually eat cyanide you know 
he ate something else that looked like cyanide and again right that right the contents is there again if that is cyanide or not so that would be the first uh, criteria that we would look at deductive arguments when i'm presenting a deductive argument that has this premise conclusion formulation are those premises true and the second thing is the logic that is connecting these two premises are they valid or another mm. way would be saying that um are there any logical inconsistencies or uh, logical errors of reasoning within these two premises so an example would be um i mean this is not exactly a, a great example but this would get like get the point across so there is an error in reasoning a logical fallacy um called fallacy of false equivocation right i know big words but very simple stuff what that means is that when you are you know this can apply to arguments or an essay even even an essay that you write um you use the word to mean one particular thing at at the beginning for example and then halfway through you use the same word but it means something completely different so a good example would be the okay. word greek um you know greek is a language it's a food and it's an ethnicity hmm. so when you say he yeah. is greek i'm not saying that he is edible but i'm not saying that he is a language but he is of that ethnicity he is of that nationality of the nation of greece but the same word greek can like i said it can mean language and it can mean um a style of food so if i am presenting some sort of argumentation and let's say i'm talking about food like okay, different types of food and in the first premise i use the word greek um to mean as a food and in the second premise i say for example um uh, greek is banned uh in country x and there i may be mm. meaning as in you know the in country x you are not allowed to speak the language greek right yeah. there could be some country where you know the language greek is not allowed and therefore yeah. i'm trying to say well don't take um, it serious it's just an analogy okay country. there's no country which bans greek yeah, so yeah, yeah. just making if, it clear yeah if, if if anyone finds if anyone finds country x well f- uh, fabulous you have found a country by the name x so you know i've 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 made sure that no one is going <laughs> to go to that trouble so that would be an example where uh, someone might be trying to say you know he, he uses the word greek to mean the food style of food in premise 1 and then premise 2 mm. uses it um maybe deceptively that could be possible or maybe just you know blatantly ignorantly uses the word um to mean the language and then tries to you know sneak in the conclusion that greek food is banned in that country so here we would say okay that is a fallacy of false equivocation you have used the word the same word in two different meanings within the argument so premise 1 is therefore not connected to premise 2 because you like i said you used one word in one sense and the same word in another sense so there is nothing connecting them together there is um you know the sort of this this uh, asymmetry there if i may i don't think yeah. that's the right way to say it but you get the point there is that link is broken so here we would look at and ask the question are so we asked are the premises true that's first criteria and like i said in this example we would ask the question are the log is the logic that is connecting these two premises is the logic that is overriding these two premises are they valid so are there any logical errors committed are there any logical fallacies committed and this can get into even more complex formats so there are um so um i don't i don't recall it off the top of my head so there is modus tollen and modus ponen now i'm i have a guess that i may be mispronouncing them as well 
So this would be different formulations of an argument. So it would be like if A, then B. Um, A, conclusion therefore B. So this is a very valid mm. form of way of formulating right. it. But an invalid way of formulating it is if A, then B. Premise 2 says B, conclusion therefore A. So you're going if A, B, and then you're going from B to A. So that is actually a, an erroneous, a, a, a false way of formulating an argument. So if someone presents yeah. an argument using that form of connection, that argument is invalid because it is using an invalid way of reasoning there. But if someone says, you know, the first format, if A, then B, A, therefore B, that is valid. So this is another way of testing to see if the premises are valid, if the logic is valid. So we would look at, an, again, we would look at and see are there any uh, logical fallacies like fallacy of false equivocation, um, so on and so forth. And also we would ask, you know, the logical formulation of the premises, are they valid? Are they using the right logical um, uh, reasoning uh, formulations? Uh, is, is the right logical reasoning formulation that is applied there? So these are the two ways, two criteria for us to assess and see if um, an argument is valid, if it holds um, the place. And there could be other ways also for us to look into um, a deductive argument and ask um, you know, if that is really the case. Another example would be, uh, for example, when we look at the fine-tuning argument. Now, we look at it in depth. Um, so in the fine-tuning argument, we say that um, the fine-tuning in the universe is due to physical necessity, chance, or design. So we say that there are these yeah. finely tuned attributes within the universe. Like I said, we'll look at, we'll go into them in depth uh, down the line. So stay subscribed and stay connected with us. And uh, one way I can challenge that premise, and this is, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, Ankit, okay? I'm going to challenge this premise. Yeah. And you can tell me in what way am I hmm. testing the argument? Is it by checking if the premise is true or is it by checking if the logic is valid? All right. So I'm testing, I'm uh, contesting the premise one by saying that there is a fourth alternative, let's say alternative X, Y, Z. And okay. I'm contesting that premise. So my question to you is, am I contesting, and the audience also can think along with us, am I contesting that, that premise by attacking its truth, like whether it's true or not, or whether by attacking the logic? What do you think? I think somewhat it depends on both of them. But uh, mainly, I feel it's attacking the truth because uh, the first yeah. three which you mentioned, which are there, they are uh, like, you know, like they are proof with all facts. But then you're attacking with the fourth one, saying that uh, whatever is true, these three which are true, uh, you're, you're, you're making a statement that they're false. So you're attacking that truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So to, so to put it out clearly, what I'm doing there is, the premise one is saying, you know, fine-tuning is because of either these three alternatives. These are the only three alternatives that you can use to explain fine-tuning. And I'm coming along and saying, no, you are wrong. There is a fourth alternative. So therefore, I'm saying that that premise is false. There is a fourth alternative. And you are false mm -hmm. in stating that there are only these three alternatives. So that is the way we are, like you said, you know, we are contesting the truth of that premise. And so right. this would take different forms of engaging with it. Mm -hmm. Some may be not straightforward in engaging. Um, like if I had said, you know, if Caesar eats cyanide, Caesar will die. And I say, you know, if Caesar eats cyanide, Caesar will not die. That is straightforward. You know, that we know it is contesting the truth of premise one. But in the other example, it may not be immediately obvious to someone who is 
dabbling with the deductive arguments for the first time. And so there are different complex ways to you know, go through it. But this is the general gist of it. Now, before I move on to yeah. inductive arguments, which, which is going to get even more, you know, even more complex for you know, lay people like us, um, is there any thoughts probing your mind with regards to deductive arguments? Anything at the back of your mind? Yeah, I think uh, like right now I'll talk about my college. So we are doing a, a topic on in mathematics known as the Markov chain rule. Mm. So basically it means that like I can relate it pretty well with the deductive arguments because it states that if there are different states, like the premises are different states, then the present state depends on the previous one, not the ones before that. Okay. Mm makes sense okay. so uh, that's what i was relating with yeah. uh, the deductive arguments mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I get it. yeah so it's like a chain forming yeah but but, but like uh, I said, you know. but if you keep yourself yeah. in the previous state so yeah. that means the future depends on now not on the past okay so something mm-hmm. like that yeah so it's like you know, you have one, two, and three. Threes depend on two, not on one in that sort of a way. It's, not on one. It depends on what yeah, is immediately yeah. preceding it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I'll, um, so but, but here's the case with deductive arguments. A deductive argument is like, like a proper chain. So you take a chain, a long metal chain, and you can see one is clipped to the other and then to the other, then to the other. Now, if at any point you break one of, one of the link, it's gone. The entire thing is gone. Yeah. You can't get to the end. Right. So it's not just the idea about connecting one to the other, but it's that if at any point you take out one of the chain, the, uh, the linkage, the chain is completely gone. So like I said, in this example of premise, premise, conclusion, you know, it's not that too lengthy. But when you look at something like the ontological argument, you know, there are, I think, uh, about four premises, if I recall, right, four or five premises and then a conclusion. Um, and then when you go into Gödel's um, versions of arguments, I think, again, Gödel's ontological version of argument, there are even more premises. So, like, it gets super complex because he's a mathematician. So, you have, let's say, 10 premises and then a conclusion. So, you don't have to disprove all 10 premises. You don't have to hmm. disprove the logic hidden within all 10 premises. If you just remove premise 2, the connection between 1 and 3 and the rest of it is completely gone. So, uh, you know, it, it shows the burden that is, uh, that is incumbent upon the person who is formulating the arguments. You know, he has yeah. to develop all of the premises and hold them true. For the person who's contesting, you know, he just has to contest with one of the premise. And this comes, and, and since we're coming to the end of, you know, our short bite-sized episode, yeah, yeah. we look at inductive arguments in the next episode. Inductive in the next so one. So this yeah. way of, yeah, and so this way of attacking and uh, deductive arguments comes um, more to the front when you look at complex issues like um, different theories of time. So there is A theory of time, B theory of time. And a person who holds over to A theory of time is looking at a long, a, a very lengthy argument, like multiple premises and to a conclusion. And to him, you know, premise one, two, and three are not problematic. They're all fine. But let's say premise four is something that assumes B theory of time, something that he doesn't hold on to. And so for him, he will just go away and straight away oppose uh, premise four and say that is false. Now here may come along a person who holds on to the B theory of time. He will look at premise 4 and he say, yeah, that's fine, because I hold on to B theory of time. Premise 4 assumes B theory of time, so I'm happy with it. But premise 3, 2, yeah. and 1, they assume A theory of time. So 
so he has a problem with 1 2 and 3 so here is an example of how the person who will be formulating the arguments has to do the work of uh, making all of the premises true but he can face objections from a whole score of people holding to different ideas uh, and different concepts about notions yeah. and you know perceptions about these different uh, premises and what they mean and the word usage and you can come and attack so it actually goes on to show that when we look at these arguments in depth um the work that we have to do the homework that we have to do from our end to be very well prepared so that we do our best in presenting the arguments and being confident in what we are presenting so we hope yeah. that you will continue to stick with us um in this in this series on natural theology as we break down bit by bit um all of the complex and most popular most easy to recollect uh, and even most effective you know to me as well most effective most um compelling arguments for god and there's one bit that i would like to note with before we conclude uh, i think there is a possibility that we may have mentioned this somewhere in the beginning but if not we are uh, going through this whole series based off uh, the legendary christian philosopher and theologian and um, uh, someone whom we are a big fan of at saft uh, dr william lane craig's book reasonable faith so it's yeah. that's a phenomenal book and also um, not exactly lay person level on god is lay person level reasonable faith is a bit more advanced so we are actually breaking down reasonable faith bit by bit and going through the series so um, so that's that's where we are you know we're driving all of our content so we are look, we're looking towards the best philosopher in the field one of the best apologists and then we're breaking down the content so you can be assured of um, uh, of that which we present in in the uh, in the national theology series and i just want to give yes. credit to where credit is due i mean reasonable faith is it's a phenomenal book yeah i think um i thought i we may get through to inductive arguments but uh, you are some very very pertinent questions and i'm happy that you know i was able to break it down much more than i anticipated yes. i would be able to break it down to so i'm very excited yeah. that i'm happy that we were able to do that all right yeah yeah and as jacob mentioned that uh, you know like these premises uh, i was just thinking like if even one of them is false so that breaks the entire chain and the entire argument becomes flawed so how much god has blessed these people these philosophers who have come up with the arguments these theologians have come up with the arguments so they have done a pretty good job in formulating each and every premise so similarly uh, he even mentioned that uh, when we are showing christianity is true to the people around us it's very important that we ourselves are well prepared knowing each and every premise so when we show them when we put forth an argument it's totally clear and there's no objections i mean obviously there'll be objections which you'll have to face but then you'll be able yeah. to confidently tackle them so that's where we are aiming at you know yeah, we'll making this series well. bite sized and you know put yes. our yeah we'll be able to do our part well and put our best foot forward you know that's what we should do let there be objections let out let us do our part well definitely yeah so i think that's it from this episode and the next one we'll be talking about inductive arguments and uh, they also are equally important when we show christianity to be true so stay tuned with us follow us on our social media to stay updated you can post in your questions on speakpipe and we'll be featuring them on our episodes and answering you live so uh, that's it from our side and uh, this is ankit and jacob signing off see you in the next one to know more about our ministry visit our website at 
www.saftapologetics.com. You can also find Saft Apologetics on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Patreon.